0: And welcome to the human side of healthcare. Today, we're going to talk a little bit about COVID-19 research studies and how it's impacted patients, families, communities, adults, children. We've got Dr. Kirsten Tolchin-Francis. She's a division director, Movement Science Laboratory, at Texas Scottish Rite Hospital, and we have Dr. Whitney Hurge, who's a pediatric psychologist at Texas Scottish Rite Hospital. So I'm going to jump right into it, and I'm going to start with Dr. Hurge. What is the overall purpose of your study?
1: Well, first of all, thank you so much for having us. It's, a, it's an absolute pleasure to be able to, to speak with you. Um, the purpose of our study is to evaluate the stress and coping responses of individuals in response to this completely novel stressor, the COVID-19 pandemic. Um, and our, our aim is to try to evaluate a variety of different participant groups including hospital patients of Scottish Rite for children if they're 18 years or older, as well as their family members, our hospital staff, um, and community members at large to try to assess their psychological responses to this now ongoing stressor.
0: You know, the stress and the response, as you mentioned, is so important. Do you have any preliminary results yet?
1: Well, we're still at the very beginning stages of our data analysis, um, but unsurprisingly, uh, a high percentage of our sample has been endorsing stress in a variety of different domains. So a large percentage of our population, uh, unsurprisingly, reported concern regarding loss of employment, concern about contracting COVID and getting sick. Um, Interestingly, people do seem to be more concerned about at-risk loved ones getting sick rather than themselves getting sick. Uh, and similarly, participants do appear concerned about becoming socially isolated, um, but they're actually even more concerned, it appears, that uh, about family members becoming isolated. And participants have also endorsed worry about not being able to access their health care, not being able to work or pay their bills. Despite these stressors, however, participants' reports of post-traumatic stress appear generally low at this point in time, um, we are going to be reassessing our participants, we're getting ready to reassess them um, for a wave two of data collection and we'll, we'll also be doing a follow-up at wave three. So, it will be important for us to try to evaluate this data further to determine what percentage of participants may actually meet criteria for something like PTSD and to continue to track this over time. Additionally, our early results are suggesting that participants do tend to use certain coping skills more frequently, such as active coping, distraction, positive reframing, planning, acceptance, and religion.
0: You know, those are some interesting preliminary findings. And if if I could expand on a couple of these, I know you're conducting the study, so you're gathering data. Do you during the study help people learn some good coping techniques or do you make suggestions to them on how to handle their stress, especially the isolation you mentioned?
1: Well, Uh, At the close of our study, um, once participants have completed all the questionnaires, we do have links to resources that already exist for both children and adults available in both English and Spanish to try to help provide some of that education and, and some of that support right now.
0: Well, that's good. And it's good to have those resources to help the people. As you look at the data, how do you hope to apply it say to the real world and how we can use it?
1: I think that's a great question. Uh, Our hope is that community stakeholders... So really our our hospitals in the DFW area will be able to use the the information that comes from our research study to provide education to the community. I think that it will be beneficial for community members to be aware of common stress responses such that they can identify when either themselves or family members are struggling and especially when it may be important to seek professional support This study may also be helpful in providing education, exactly as you were just mentioning, on which coping responses appear perhaps most beneficial or or perhaps even protective to individuals uh, in response to the COVID-19 stressor. And stakeholders can then educate the community on these useful coping tools.
0: You know, it really is the community response that's going to be important as well. Uh, we've conducted interviews with different people in our hospitals and really um, depression, some of the stress and anxiety that many of the people in the community are feeling is real. And this type of study is going to prove beneficial. Do you think once you look at this study in the Dallas-Fort Worth area that there could be nuggets of information that could apply potentially to other parts of the country?
1: Absolutely. Uh, We expect that the information that we're gathering here in our DFW community will likely translate very well um, to other communities. It may be somewhat dependent upon uh, stressor exposure, um, meaning communities that that have a similar level of impact to folks here in our DFW community. But I do think it will be very important Um, The information that comes out regarding potential stress responses, um, symptoms that individuals in the community should be on the lookout for, both in themselves as well as in family members, and also learning which coping strategies seem to be the most beneficial and the most helpful. As as the COVID-19 pandemic has continued on, you know, we've now moved from an acute stressor to a chronic stressor, and being able to cope with that requires some different strategies.
2: Dr. Hirsch, this is Thomas Miller. As you mentioned, we're now in a long game. This is not acute. It's chronic. It's ongoing. What are some mental adjustments that all of us need to be making in order to handle the long game?
1: I think that's a very big question. Um, There are certain strategies that we know are helpful. Um, So things like maintaining a routine even if that routine perhaps looks different than it would normally. Um, Having a regular structure and schedule is very important both for children and for adults, especially for kids having that structure and that schedule be visual so they understand what their days are going to look like so that it doesn't just feel like time is, is spreading out forever, I think is really, really critically important. Um, Having regular conversations, especially with children, about what they understand, about what's happening in our world right now, providing support while correcting any misinformation, and helping kids to understand why we're having to take all of the important safety measures that we're having to take, like why we're needing to wear masks and why we aren't able to see our friends in the same way that we were normally Allowing children and adults the space to have emotional reactions to that, knowing that some days we're going to feel more sad or more frustrated or more anxious, acknowledging that and knowing that that's normal and that's okay. Um, Limiting our access to the news so that we are getting the news that that we need, that we're getting regular updates, but that we're not being inundated, that we're not overwhelming ourselves or others with that is really important. And also being mindful of our, our perspective. You know, our thoughts are really important. And if our thoughts are, this is going to drag on forever and life will never go back to normal, that's likely to have a negative impact on our mood. And so trying to do things like cognitive reframing, such as things look different now, um, but I still have ways to remain connected to my family members or I still have ways to remain connected to my friends. Paying attention to our health behaviors, focusing on our sleep, focusing on our physical activity as it is safe to do so, on our nutrition, on our hydration, and being, being creative but also being really intentional about how we do keep those social engagements. How can we stay close to family members and to friends? How can we utilize technology to be helpful so that we don't feel more isolated than safety behaviors necessitate that, that we have to be? So
2: one of the things I've been hearing is it seems like with adults primarily, that the focus has switched to fear. I mean, people are really concerned now about the future. you have some tips on managing fear?
1: Thinking about fear, especially fear within the context of COVID-19, I think we have to separate the things that we have control over and the things that we don't have control over. So certainly there's fear related to exposure to illness, contracting illness, spreading illness and we have to be very specific about what do we have control over in our own lives in order to manage that. We can engage in safety behaviors, we can wear masks when we are out in public, we can socially distance where we are only with our immediate family members or other close friends with whom we've essentially made a social contract where we trust that the other person is not going to be engaging in risky behavior and therefore put us at risk. Um, and then I think we have to use some of those other coping strategies to manage the fear that is outside of our control. So the when is there going to be a vaccine or when is this just going to go away altogether? I think that's when we have to use more of the positive reframing, the acceptance skills, religion, if that is something that is useful to a person, using meditation, yoga, mindfulness, more of those acceptance-based strategies to recognize the areas of our lives that we don't have control over, but to try to remain calmer in those
2: periods. One of the things we've been hearing from some of our more recent interviews with medical professionals is an increase in bad habits, smoking, drinking, vaping, drugs. What do you say to somebody that might be listening to this who is thinking about turning to something that wouldn't be healthy?
1: Those are some behaviors that actually we are evaluating with our current study, and unfortunately, we don't have data on that yet. Generally, we would consider those to be coping behaviors, but we wouldn't classify those as helpful or proactive coping behaviors. Those would be classified more generally within the maladaptive category, and that they might bring some immediate relief, but in the long run, they're not likely to be beneficial those behaviors, certainly in excess, are unlikely to bring psychological relief and are actually more likely to create additional stressors or problems in an individual's life that then have to be coped with as well.
2: Becomes a domino trip, doesn't it?
1: It does, yep.
0: Dr. Herge, we really appreciate you being with us today.
1: It's been my pleasure. Thank you so much for having me.